Welcome to Master Your Relationship Mind Drama. Teaching you how to manage your mind so that you can create relationships you love. And now, here's your host, certified relationship coach and expert in all things love, friendship, and mind drama, Rebecca Orr. Hey everyone, how are you all doing? I'm feeling some bittersweet emotions right now because it's been the last round of my current round of group coaching this week and so I feel really happy and proud (laughs) because everyone's been doing so much amazing work and being so supportive of each other and they've come such a long way during the the past 12 weeks but I'm also feeling really sad because (laughs) you get used to coaching the same groups of people for 12 weeks and then it just feels really sad saying goodbye to each of them so it's kind of bittersweet (laughs) and this round has been really really amazing It, it really has people in the group have made such huge strides in managing their relationships anxiety and learning how to manage their minds and emotions and have that compassion for themselves and I'm so so proud of all of them and I'll talk a little bit at the end of this episode about the next round so if you're curious about what it involves and what's included stay tuned to the end and I'll tell you all about that but in today's episode I want to talk about a topic that's come up a few times both in my group coaching program and in my one-on-one sessions and that's the topic of staying in your relationship after your partner has cheated and it's a very touchy subject for many people and whenever I do an Instagram post that talks about cheating or staying after someone's cheated I tend to get a lot of backlash (laughs) I get a lot of people getting quite triggered and heated about the topic which is totally understandable so if this topic is a little triggering to you don't worry you are not alone and I just encourage you to bring an open mind to the subject and see what you get from this episode and just take away whatever serves you and whatever serves your brain which is always the the most important thing with coaching we're all just offering different ways of thinking and perspectives and ways of managing our minds take what serves you and leave what doesn't serve you that's totally fine so let's dive in I've noticed that people like to be very black and white about the topic of cheating. So they say things like, once a cheater, always a cheater. And the way we talk about people who have cheated is like they're bad, evil people, which ties into their good versus bad, right versus wrong, very binary way of thinking. But like everything in the world, it's a lot more nuanced than that. Good and bad is actually totally subjective. And most of us would usually agree that you can be a good person and also behave in ways that you don't like and regret at times. And you can behave in ways that go against your morals and your values and still be a good person. And one of the main things I always help my clients to do is separate out facts from thoughts and beliefs because thoughts and beliefs are optional, facts are not. And even that phrase, once a cheater, always a cheater, is actually not a fact. (laughs) That is not something we could put as a neutral fact that everyone agreed with. It's not a scientifically proven thing. It's a belief. It's an optional belief. It's an opinion. And there are humans on this planet who have cheated on their partners once and have never done it again. And yes, there are humans on this planet who have also cheated on their partners once and then continue to cheat on them multiple more times. So yes, it is not a one-size-fits-all thing. Uh, It's not a concrete fact that we can assume is true for everyone all of the time. Once a cheater, always a cheater is not a statement that rings true in every situation all of the time. 
And a common thing I've seen with past clients is their partner has cheated or done something that goes against their agreement in their relationship in some way, what they kind of mutually agreed were the the expectations of each other. And they wanted to give them another chance and they wanted to try and work through it and understand why and, and work through that together. But they felt like they weren't allowed. And that's really interesting to notice how people think they're not allowed to stay with someone after they've cheated because of this black and white discourse around cheating and how if someone cheats, that must make them a terrible, bad person and it means you have to break up with them, that they are definitely going to do it again and that if you stay with them, you're an idiot. (laughs) That's kind of what we're taught to believe. And so that's the first part of this that's important to recognize. You actually can choose to forgive and stay together after one of you has cheated that is an option. You are a grown-ass adult. (laughs) You get to choose what you do and who you are in relationships with. You get to choose to stay and forgive, or you get to choose not to stay and not to forgive. You have permission either way. And that's not me saying that I think everyone should stay or that it's the right choice for everyone in every situation. No, of course it isn't. Sometimes it's definitely not. But denying yourself the option because of some very black and white binary thinking that society has kind of embedded into your brain is never a useful thing to do. We always want to acknowledge that we have choice in every decision, um, that we have power in every decision that we make and nothing is forced upon us. So how can you navigate what to do after your partner has cheated? And how can you work out what are the next steps that you want to take? Well, in this episode, I'm going to offer five specific questions for you to think about if you're trying to decide whether to stay or leave. And they'll help you not only make that decision, but manage and take care of your own mind and your own emotions as you do. So the first question I want you to consider is, are you allowing yourself to fully feel the negative emotions without judging them or trying to get rid of them? And this is really important because naturally, if your partner has cheated or done something that goes against your expectations of them in some way, you're going to feel a lot of negative emotion. You're going to feel hurt, betrayed, rejected, angry, confused, all totally normal human emotions. And it's so, so, so important to be patient and understanding to yourself as you experience all of them. Because resisting them and trying to escape them or distract yourself from them or make them go away faster is actually going to intensify them and make them feel 10 times worse. And that's what happens when we resist our emotions. They intensify, they become stronger within our bodies. Think of it like pushing a beach ball underwater. The more you try and suppress your emotions and push them down, the more they're going to burst up to the surface when you least expect it. So allowing yourself to feel whatever it is you're feeling is really, really important. And hear me when I say, this isn't me saying you should feel your emotions and then go and act them out at the people around you. (laughs) Feeling angry and resentful actually isn't the same thing as reacting to your anger and resentment. You can feel emotions in your body, the sensations of those emotions like anger, resentment, frustration, and fully allow them to be there without actually acting on them at all. And learning to allow those sensations to exist in your body is actually how you're going to take back control over how you show up to handle this situation. And I say this because some of my clients are afraid to let themselves feel angry. They're afraid to let themselves feel their negative emotion because they think if they open up to the anger or the pain, then they'll lose control and they'll do things that they later regret. 
but when I'm talking about feeling our emotions, I'm not talking about smashing plates and burning your partner's clothes. (laughs) That is not what we're talking about here. I'm talking about sitting and giving yourself full permission to allow those sensations of your negative emotions to be in your body, making space for them, giving them permission to be there without judging them, trying to get rid of them or escape them. So maybe it's a burning in your chest or a tightness or a heaviness or a heat in your face or a pit in your stomach. Whatever those sensations are, your natural instinct is going to want to be to run away from them and that is not going to serve you. It's going to make those sensations intensify. It's not going to help. So whatever it is, notice it. Get curious about how that feels in your body. It is just a sensation. It can't hurt you. So instead of trying to escape it or react to it or run from it, sit and feel it, notice how it feels and get curious about it. And this really is an important thing that we need to learn to do. We need to learn to process and feel and allow our emotions. And this is a a technique that I teach called processing emotions that simply just involves noticing where the sensations are in your body and sitting with them, getting curious about how they feel describing them to yourself, not being in a hurry to escape them, but actually being mentally willing for them to be with you. And I teach you how to do this in the the group coaching, the one-on-one coaching, but I also offer a free processing emotions meditation. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. If that's something you need help with learning, definitely go and download that now and, and I will be able to guide you through how to really make peace with these sensations. And I also want to say it's really important for you to normalize and be supportive to yourself as you go through these emotions. We tend to be in a rush to escape feeling bad. As humans, we are not very good at feeling bad. (laughs) We always want to distract ourselves with Netflix or alcohol or sex or porn or, you know, whatever it is. We want to do anything to distract ourselves from the emotions we're feeling. And although we rationally know our life can't be all rainbows and daisies and positive emotion all of the time, we still tend to resist the hell out of the moments in our life when negative emotion is happening and when things don't go our way. And that resistance to what is, to the reality of the circumstance, always makes things so much worse. And in my group coaching program, one of the things we've talked about a lot is the 50-50 of human emotion and how difficult times and difficult emotions are all part and parcel of being a human on this planet. And so if this is part of the deal we get as humans in our lives, we have to have a series of happy moments and difficult moments and challenges and struggles. How do you want to show up for yourself during this specific challenge? Consider how do you want to support yourself and speak to yourself as you navigate this? Do you want to keep telling yourself you can't handle it and that it's not fair? Or do you want to empower yourself to keep moving forward? Do you want to remind yourself you've been through hard things before and that you can face tough times again? Do you want to sit and be patient with yourself and hold space for all of your feelings instead of hurrying yourself through it and trying to distract yourself from it? Really think about how you'd respond to a friend facing grief or a similar painful situation. Would you try and hurry them through the emotion and tell them they need to hurry up to the other side of it? Or would you be supportive and hold space for them for as long as it takes? So that's really important to think about. Which leads me to the second question, which is, Have you cleaned up your own thoughts about this and looked at what you're making it mean about you? And a lot of the time, especially with cheating, what makes the situation so painful is that we make our partner's behavior and their choice mean something terrible about us. And we call this dirty pain. So we have clean pain, which is the negative emotion created by thoughts that we probably wouldn't want to change. 
Um, For example, you likely want to feel disappointed and sad and hurt. That's a pretty appropriate response to the situation you're dealing with. You probably wouldn't want to change your thoughts that create those emotions. But we also have what we call dirty pain, which is the emotional pain created by thoughts that we would not choose on purpose. Thoughts about what this means about us. Maybe that we're not attractive enough or good enough, that we did something to cause this, that we weren't fun enough or a good enough partner. Or we make it mean something about our future. Maybe that because they cheated, it means we'll always be cheated on and that we'll never find a long-term lasting relationship. Dirty pain is the pain we create from our negative limiting beliefs about ourselves or our futures. And it's like rubbing salt in the wound. It just creates so much unnecessary suffering on top of the pain you would already want to have about this situation. And all of those thoughts, the ones I've just talked about, are totally optional ways of thinking. They are not facts. So cleaning up your dirty pain thoughts is really important. And the way you clean them up is by questioning them and showing your brain that they are just optional ways of thinking and showing your brain alternative ways to think about this instead. For example, if your brain is telling you that them cheating means you weren't a good enough partner and that you didn't make them happy enough, we need to challenge that interpretation. What makes someone good enough for their partner to stay faithful? (laughs) How do we achieve that or even judge what that is? Is everyone who's ever been cheated on not good enough in some way? Was Beyonce not good enough? Rihanna? Shakira? (laughs) Was it their lack of enoughness that led to their partner's cheating? You're probably screaming, no, of course not. But that's the thing, you can rationally see that other people's decisions to cheat is about their own brain and their own thoughts and not their partner. But when it comes to you, you're likely taking full responsibility for your partner's choice to cheat. Just like you're taking responsibility for making them happy. But did you know you don't actually make your partner happy or unhappy? Satisfied or unsatisfied? Crazy I know, and you might be not agreeing with me right now, but stay with me on this. Their emotions do not come from you. They come from their own brain and its thoughts, which you do not create or have any power over. Someone else could be with you and think thoughts that never lead them to cheat. They could think thoughts about how much they love you and they want to be faithful. And even though maybe you're going through a hard time, they want to stay and work through it and they would never think of ever being unfaithful. Someone else could have thoughts that does lead them to cheat, that does lead them to lie to you. And you do not control those thoughts either way. Their brain does, their unique brain. Your partner is their own person and they choose how they show up. You do not create it or control it. So notice where you're taking responsibility for their behavior and instead get curious about the real reason for it, which is always what's going on in their own mind. Really consider that. What might they have been thinking that led them to take that action? And really separate that out from you and being something that you had control over. Notice how whatever their thought was that maybe led them to do that, how it was a totally optional way to think in that situation. Someone else could have had a thought that didn't lead them to take that action that led them to take a totally different action, like coming home and speaking to you and working through the issue, whatever it was, being honest about how they were feeling. What your brain may also be doing is using your partner and the fact that they've cheated to prove all your own mean, insecure thoughts about yourself true. So if you already had mean thoughts about yourself, that maybe you're too much or not enough or not attractive enough or not fun enough or smart enough or good enough, whatever it is, your brain is likely now using their behavior to prove these things true to yourself. 
and say, see, I told you, it's true. You aren't lovable. You aren't a good partner. So please, please, please call your brain out on this and call bullshit on these thoughts. These are all optional ways of thinking about yourself. Optional interpretations and opinions that are so painful and they are not facts. So write them down on a page in front of you and challenge each and every one of them. And I'll give you some questions now that you can use to challenge your thoughts. So write them down and and answer them. Is that really true? How might that not be true? What else could be true here? What might someone else say about this? What is my brain not considering when it tells me this? What would someone else who believes the opposite about this say? What would be a more neutral or even slightly more compassionate way to think about myself here? Then the next question that I want you all to consider, the third question of the five, is do they understand why they did what they did and are they willing to own that, reflect on it and learn from it? And this is an important thing to to consider. Your decision to stay with someone who has cheated is yours and yours alone. But if cheating isn't a behavior you want in your relationship and it's a boundary violation of yours, we want to ensure that our partner really understands that and is on the same page with what they want out of the relationship too. And we have to really accept the reality of the person in front of us, not the version of them that we wish was the reality. And if the reality you have is someone who doesn't seem that remorseful, who doesn't seem willing to take accountability or responsibility, and who doesn't seem willing to be able to understand their own brain or their own behavior, and maybe doesn't seem interested in changing it, that's a very different set of circumstances to someone who is really remorseful and ready to do the work to address their own behavior and understand it and get to the bottom of why they behaved that way and and change that for the future. We can't really be all that shocked when someone who openly doesn't share our values or morals behaves in ways that goes against them. And that is really different from someone who does share our values and morals, but who makes a mistake and does something that goes against them. You know, some of us go against our own morals and values and we really later regret it. So we want to really understand here, what was this about for them and and do they seem willing to address this behavior and change it for the future? And it really all comes down to, do you want the same things? Is the person in front of you someone who wants the same kind of relationship you do? And are they capable of having that kind of relationship? Now, of course, you can't be sure if you give them another chance that they won't do it again, which I'm going to talk to you more about in in a moment. But what you can do is be honest with yourself about whether you personally think the person in front of you seems ready and able to grow from this and whether you believe your wants for your relationship are a match. And so often I see clients staying in relationships, even though the other person is not a match for what they're looking for, don't, and they don't seem to share the same values or want the same things, but they stay out of fear of leaving. Which leads me to the fourth question out of the five, which is, do you like your reasons for staying in this relationship? And there is no right or wrong decision. There is no board of directors we can go to to get a concrete, definitive answer on whether you should stay or leave. You just get to decide and the best way to decide is to reflect on your own reasons for each option and seeing which reasons you like and feel aligned with you. For example, staying because you believe they're sorry and that they're willing and able to change and grow from this and that you want to work on this together is very different to staying because you don't believe there's anyone else out there for you that would love you and that there's no other decent partners out there so you have to stay with this one. One feels abundant and connected and empowering. The other feels like scarcity and fear. 
So write out the thoughts in your brain and get them onto a page in front of you and consider what are my reasons for leaving and what are my reasons for staying? And if you notice any limiting beliefs or scarcity thoughts going on in there, pushing you in either direction, challenge them. Is that really true? Why are you believing that? You know, if you weren't believing that you couldn't find another great relationship out there, would you still choose to stay? If you knew you could go and create another amazing relationship with somebody else and that it would all work out for you if you left, then would you still choose to stay and work on it with this particular person? And I was coaching on this in one of my groups this week, the idea that there really is no right or wrong decisions. There's just different adventures. And my recent episode on decision-making is a, is a really good one that talks about this. So go and listen to that if you haven't already. And I talk there about how whichever path you take, you will have both negative and positive emotion waiting for you. <laughs> if you stay in the relationship, there will be some positive emotion and some negative emotion. And if you leave, there will be positive emotion and negative emotion. Neither path is objectively right or wrong. That's totally subjective and made up. They're just different paths with different kinds of adventures. And it's important that whichever decision you make, that you have your own back, whatever the outcome. Which leads me to question five, which is, are you willing to stay even if this happens again? Meaning, are you willing to stay even if they end up cheating again? And I know that question might seem strange and terrifying, and you're probably thinking, Rebecca, I do not want this to ever happen again. (laughs) That's why I don't know what to do, because I just have no idea whether it will or not. But that's exactly the problem with trying to base this decision on something that you have no control over and something that you don't even know if it's going to happen or not. And the truth is, you don't have any idea whether they're going to cheat again. Even those of us who are in relationships with partners who haven't cheated, we don't know if they one day might cheat. We have no idea at all because we're not psychic. We can't predict or control how other humans are going to act. So in order to stay, you have to be willing to accept that you have no control over whether this happens again, over whether they cheat again or not, and make the choice to stay knowing that if it does happen again, you can be okay and have your own back, that you can totally handle the negative emotion that would come up if it did happen again, and manage your thoughts around what you would make that behavior mean about you which is why it likely feels so scary now. Because if right now you're making them cheating mean that you weren't good enough or attractive enough and you're resisting the hell out of those emotions, that's exactly what your brain assumes you'll do if it happens again and you'll have all this suffering again. So of course your brain doesn't have much faith in you to be able to handle the situation if it happens again, so it may not even want to risk it. But this is where you get to step in and be the one that takes charge. You get to decide ahead of time Okay, if this happens again, how do I want to think and feel about it? What would I choose on purpose to make it mean about me? How would I consciously want to show up to handle it? How would I consciously want to speak to myself? And how would I consciously want to support myself through my negative emotions? Because while you can't control if they choose to cheat again, You can control how you respond to that circumstance and what you make it mean about you and your future happiness. And that's what we call self-certainty. In uncertain situations where we have no idea what's going to happen, we can rely on self-certainty and lean on that. The self-certainty of knowing that we can handle the sensations of any negative emotion in our body. We can handle anger, we can handle sadness, we can handle grief. We can make space for them in our bodies and handle the sensations they create. 
and we can decide what we make the circumstances in our lives and other people's behavior mean about us. And you have to be willing to have your own back regardless. Most people will take someone back but then feel incredibly anxious for months and months on end because they're telling themselves if their partner chooses to do this again, it means they were stupid to have taken them back and that they shouldn't have done that and they've been a fool. They believe they have to feel embarrassed and ashamed of their decision to take someone back if it happens again. And that's kind of crazy because then we're leaving the decision about whether this was a good or bad decision totally up to something we have no control over, you know, whether they choose to do it again or not. It's something we can't decide now ahead of time, which makes no sense. But feeling embarrassed and ashamed because your partner has chosen to cheat again is actually totally optional. And you don't have to shame and judge yourself about your decision to take them back because of how they then choose to use their free will in the future. I'm going to repeat that because it's really important. You don't have to shame and judge yourself about this decision based on how they choose to use their free will in the future. You can make this decision for reasons that you like today and feel good to you today and commit to that being the best decision for you in this moment. And then they could go and cheat again in the future and you could still believe that you made the right call for you in that moment because you did the best you could with the information that you had and you showed up as the person you wanted to be in that situation. And then if they did cheat again, you'd get to just make a new decision based on the new information you now have. Beating yourself up and shaming yourself is always 100% optional, guys, always. And you don't ever have to judge and shame yourself for not being able to predict or control the behavior of another human being. So I know this was a very heavy episode on a heavy topic, but I want to remind you that whatever it is you're going through right now, being compassionate towards yourself and curious about the thoughts in your own brain is always the most important thing you can do. Calling your brain out on the mean, unhelpful and limiting beliefs is how you can make your decision from a more empowered place and feel good about that regardless of what happens next. And as I said right at the beginning, Allow yourself to feel all the negative emotion right now. Nothing has gone wrong here. You're a human being on this planet, which means hard and difficult situations are part of the deal. And being loving and supportive to yourself as you feel this way and you feel this negative emotion and as you navigate it is so, so important. Be compassionate to your brain. Be willing to allow and make space for all the sensations and the emotions that you're feeling instead of trying to hurry them away or escape them. And I promise you, you will suffer so much less when you do. Okay, guys, that is all I've got for you this week. And the next round of my group coaching program, Master Your Relationship Mind Drama, is going to be opening its doors the first week of January. And this is where you'll be able to learn all about the tools and the concepts that I discuss on this podcast, but on a much deeper level. And you're going to learn how to actually apply them to your own unique situations and your own unique brain. It's an amazing program and it's such a supportive place to learn and grow, surrounded by people with similar brains to yours doing this exact same work. And we meet every week for an hour and a half. And as well as having that group call every week, you get three one-on-one sessions with me across the 12 weeks. So that's three half an hour sessions, just me and you to, to go through anything that you're working on that week. So in order to make sure you don't miss out on this, you're going to want to go and get yourself on the wait list. And I'm going to drop the link with all the details and the frequently asked questions. And it also has the, the link for the wait list in there as well. Um, So I'll put that in the information section of this episode. So definitely go and check that out. 
and let's make 2024 the year you finally master your relationship mind drama. Okay, and finally, can I ask that you do a little something for me? Could you go ahead and give this podcast a rating on whatever platform you're listening from? This is how I can keep reaching more and more people and spreading the word of this work, so it would mean a lot to me. Okay, guys, have an amazing weekend, and I'll speak to you all next week. Bye. If you're loving this podcast, you can also hang out with Rebecca on Instagram and TikTok at Rebecca or Coaching. Don't forget to sign up to her email list for exclusive freebies and for more information on her one-to-one and group coaching programs. 